You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. Let's turn to the next part of today's program. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're catching up with Dana Winograd from Plastic Free Seas, who's here to talk us through their newly launched six-week social media campaign against the use of disposable cups for hot drinks in coffee shops. Welcome back on the program, Dana. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure to be here. It's always great to see you. Um, before we start, we are live this afternoon on Facebook, so our listeners can be viewers uh, this afternoon. And feel free to, to, to pitch in with your thoughts about plastic pollution uh, here in Hong Kong. But before we get to the campaign, Dana, remind us about the work you do at Plastic Free Seas. So Plastic Free Seas is an eight-year-old charity, and our focus is on educating and raising awareness on the issue of plastic marine pollution, focusing primarily on students and, and the youth of Hong Kong, because they are, of course, the future. But we do have a lot of work where we reach out to the community in general or corporates and liaise a lot with the government. So we're pretty broad in that way. Absolutely. And, and I know that uh, you often uh, organize fantastic beach cleanups. I often speak to people who feel so inspired uh, to, to kick the single-use plastic because they've been to uh, one of your events and, and you often hold very successful events. Uh, coming up next, uh, you've just launched a six-week social media campaign uh, targeting coffee shops. Uh, t tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, this is a long time coming. Our research on this started pre-COVID. So we actually sent people out to look at what people were using to drink their hot beverages in the coffee shop. So while they're sitting there and the results were that 67% of people were actually using disposable, even though they were sitting inside of a coffee shop. We knew that this was going to be a problem, but we really wanted to be able to quantify it to know which shops were more uh, were using more disposables than others so on and so forth and we decided to then launch a three-pronged uh, campaign one focusing on the customers so letting them know that this is really unnecessary waste and they can play a, a really big role in stopping this by just their own behavior either not going to those coffee shops or bringing your own coffee cup if they're not going to provide you with one. So that's one of the angles, um, and that's the one that's the six-week campaign at the moment. But just quickly, I'll mention that there's two other prongs to this. One is reaching out to the uh, coffee shops themselves and, and just letting, letting them know what role they're playing in this creation of waste unnecessarily and asking them to take action on this. And then the second, or well, I should say the third prong is the government. So we did this in conjunction with the woman who did her PhD on this topic. So we're able to provide to the government a paper um, and information that is really quite robust and shows them this unnecessary waste and hopefully they can act on it. And the government is very big on data. If you provide them with, with data, they're, they're more likely to, to act up, uh, upon this. So let's go through the three prongs. What were some of the feedback and the responses from the, 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 the customers first, before we talk about the coffee shops, that the customers? And Dana, you mentioned this is pre-COVID, because I understand that uh, during COVID, there were concerns for hygiene. So people sort of went back to a lot of single-use plastic for, for things. But you conducted this pre-COVID. What, what were some of the feedbacks from, from the customers so well the the customers we we didn't actually have to have to interact with the customers this was all visual based on what they were using but from all of our volunteers of course they felt that how they knew how important this was and they were really willing to be a part of this 
to spend their time to gather this data because it is such an unnecessary form of waste. We did get feedback from customers saying, well, this shop only doesn't provide me with any other option. And that again, we're trying to, we're, we're hoping to address with this. And then it was terrible during COVID when the shops just stopped accepting and even stopped using their own reusables. So that put us on hold for quite a while. And now again, with the coffee shops opening back up to using your own and, and providing their own reusables, we know this is the time to bring it bring it up again. And we've gotten a really good response. We're into our second week of the campaign, the public facing campaign. And people are just like, yeah, why? Why would anybody want to use a disposable cup when they're sitting in a coffee shop? It's crazy. It so doesn't make sense. Yeah, because part of the experience of sitting in a coffee house is holding that sort of porcelain mug and just feeling the warmth radiating through. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe people are it's different. Funny, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because that is one of our one of our weekly graphics. I can't remember which one, but it's all about that kind of thing. So we we have two tactics. One is. Uh, telling people about the negatives of of using all this disposable, and then the other one is the positives. So you know, coffee is is about friendship. Why would you sit with a disposable cup? Or you know, it's it it's exactly that. Why you want the warmth of a beautiful ceramic mug? Uh, so that's the i that that's the how we're trying to push this through and really reach people on to question their own behavior and, and the role that they're playing. Absolutely. We are live this afternoon on Facebook, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. We're chatting with Dana from Plastic Free Seas, and Gemma gets in touch to say Dana is awesome. We loved having her at school, and she adds fantastic. Um, so the second prong you mentioned, Dana, uh, are the coffee shops themselves. What were some of the reasons as to why they didn't provide an alternative and, and, and had disposables to serve their customers? when those customers are drinking inside the coffee shop? So pre-COVID, a lot of the reason is space, lack of space for storage of the of the cups and washing facilities. So a lot of the, the licensing in Hong Kong, you can choose to not be a dine-in. So you oh. aren't required to have to, to wash the cups. So that oh. is part of what we're talking to the government about. This just shouldn't be allowed. If you're gonna have a restaurant and you're, or a coffee shop, whatever, and you're going to have dine-in, then the expectation should be that, that you don't force people to create waste and you have to provide the opportunity to wash reusables. Yeah. Wow. And and um, for, for the government, after providing them with some data, are you still waiting for their response or what's the sort of initial feedback from them? So that stage hasn't come through yet. We're waiting until we, we launch the other two parts of it so that we can also share the feedback from the customers and from the coffee shops and include that in with the information that we'll give to the government. Yeah. What about for some of our listeners listening who sort of, you know, are, are guilty of going to a coffee shop go on the go and <laughs> and, and, and sort of bringing a coffee cup, uh, a disposable one with them instead of bring their own? What do you have to say to, to, to these people? Uh, yeah, I, I try not to make them feel guilty as such, although that is also very effective. But I, it's just raising that awareness. It's just letting them know that, you know, they do have a role to take and and they can make changes. And it doesn't have to be super inconvenient. We have a fantastic project that we're piloting right now with a company called Circular City in Discovery Bay. So they are providing reusable coffee cups and beverage cups 
to, at the ferry pier on both sides, so DBN Central, for a, a simple $30 deposit. And you can drink your drink on the ferry, and then at the other end, you drop it off. Wow. So even for those people Great who a, never bring their oh, it's fantastic. So if you don't, you never bring your own, you now have an opportunity. If you forgot to bring your own, and you always do, you've got a solution there for you. You don't have to skip your coffee. So it's getting better. There are more opportunities, and people uh, can can make these changes on their own though as well just by remembering to use their cup or choosing their coffee shop you know don't go to the one that doesn't offer you and feel a little bit guilty but feel more proud of the of being a part of the solution when you make those changes absolutely we've got about 10 minutes left dana and and i understand that you're working on other sorts of projects as well one is to do with sort of packaging at supermarkets can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that Yes, so we, uh, I mean, everybody realizes the problem with packaging of, pro well, packaging in general in grocery stores, but also packaging of produce seems to be a really big problem. And, and one that I got some bananas the other day and they were wrapped in sort of um, polystyrene um, type foam net and then they had the plastic packaging. Um, I, well, I didn't buy them, but I saw them at the shops yeah. and I thought, wow, <laughs> I don't want to be buying that. Well, and that's exactly what we want. We want the people to be able to say, I'm not going to buy that. And then, of course, the, the shops will change their behavior. Now, some of the grocery store chains have said that they're looking at this and, you know, other NGOs have pushed this. Previously, it's been Greenpeace. More recently, it's been uh, Greener's Action has done a, a yes. great little project. So what we want to keep the, the pressure, so to speak, on, and we really want to be able to quantify to grocery stores what's going on with their produce, what is, what percentage is loose and already okay, what percentage is really, I don't want to call it unnecessary because unnecessary is in the eye of the beholder. What I think is unnecessary may be different than the grocery store, but what is seemingly really um, over the top, so a coconut or a pineapple that is wrapped, it's or, totally, there's no need for it. Or bananas, where they have, the, exactly, yeah, well. And the bananas. They have their own skin. They are often sold not like without packaging. So there are there's a bunch of products that are sometimes sold with packaging, sometimes not. We'd like to quantify that and tell and and speak with the stores and say, look, you've got these. This is low hanging fruit. A lot of it is even done in house. So let's tick this stuff off. And then there's the rest of the stuff that is typically coming in packaging you know your blueberries your blackberries your small tomatoes the ones that you really it it would take it takes a bigger change with the manufacturers the producers the suppliers we also want to quantify that but we're not going to push on that side so much we're pushing on the low-hanging fruit what can you what changes can the grocery stores make easily and quickly and we think that the pressure just needs to stay on so we're reaching out to volunteers to help us to gather this data so very soon we'll have this information up on our website and if you'd like to help please do check out our website or get in touch and and there's a lot we were targeting over a hundred grocery stores to really make this comprehensive uh, quite a few different uh, of the chains the brands and we'll have a really good data set yeah. and then we can start that dialogue and really work together. We don't want to just be blaming and say, here it is, make it, fix it. 
we, we want to see how we can work together and make it as easy for them as possible. The trouble is many of our food in Hong Kong are imported. So when you go to a Japanese supermarket chain, a, a lot of the, the fruits and a lot of the food is imported uh, overseas, which have a different set of legislation. And, and I think you touched on that point earlier where they need to be packaged to protect the products themselves so they don't get damaged uh, during transportations. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, what what is the role of, of the Hong Kong government versus uh, overseas jurisdiction? I mean, if they, if they are sent to us uh, like that, what can we do on, on our end? Well, it's interesting. The government is I uh, is going to be looking at this, I believe. It's not it's not a, a public consultation or anything yet, but they've indicated that they do want to look at packaging more closely. You know, the, we we can look at, leg, you know, legislation and look at uh insisting on certain practices just for Hong Kong it is harder though and we aren't we aren't a country of millions and you know hundreds of millions we are seven and a half million so we do have a, a, a smaller buying power so there we are limited but let's deal then with what we can and then those people who want to continue to buy that imported stuff that comes packaged that's their choice but Give us more options where you can. That's what I like. People don't want to be forced to buy four tomatoes. They want one tomato. You know, it's also, it's not just the packaging for packaging sake. It's also you're creating food waste. You know, you're forcing people to buy more than they really might want to buy. So there's a lot of things to, that are touched on here. Absolutely. That can be addressed. I mean, we're, we're, we're not a small city, but we're not, I mean, we're not a big city, but we're also not a small city. I mean, 7.3 million is actually a substantial um, <laughs> a number of people. And the number of waste that we, we produce here in, in Hong Kong is, is often sort of regarded as, um, you know, sinful sometimes, you know, it's just how much waste goes into um, our landfill. Uh, which brings me to, to the next uh, campaign that you're sort of uh, working on uh, in the pipeline, and it's to do with plastic tableware. Uh, tell Tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, less less of a, a campaign for plastic-free seas. It's actually that the government has put out their public consultation on plastic tableware. And this is an issue that we, so not so much a campaign, but we want to push this out to the public because the public needs to, to let the government know, yes, we want legislation on plastic tableware. So tableware being cutlery and and straws and cups and containers and plates and everything else that for dine in and takeaway eating. So there's a lot of different questions on this um, public consultation. There's a link which perhaps we can share on Absolutely. somewhere yep. um, on, on, on a on little bit later. Media, sure. very, the government always makes it very easy for people to be able to respond. My, there are a lot of questions and it can be kind of confusing and there's a lot of nuances. You know, we all want this quickly, but the fear is that we switch from plastic to another um, maybe even heavier material that's going to end up anyway in our landfill and we're not solving the waste problem so we need time to make this work properly we need to consider reusable options and we hope that all the restaurants are not going to switch directly from just because they're saying let's ban plastic let's switch to bagasse or card you know paper card or whatever we need to to really work on reusable models and stop creating the waste but that said we need as many people as possible to respond to this and just say yes we 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 fully back legislation on plastic tableware 
Um, it, it asks about polystyrene. Absolutely, we we need to get rid of polystyrene in our in our food and beverage. A hundred percent. It's it making asks, a bit of a comeback. I, I hate to say this, but during COVID, I, I notice a lot of uh, smaller restaurants uh, that do takeaway before they switch to cardboard boxes, and then all of a sudden during COVID, they'd switch back to polystyrene foam boxes for the lunch boxes. It was horrifying. Um, and when I then asked uh, one of the restaurant owners, they had to say that you know it, it was just the cheaper option and and it was just better for their business um which is yeah just, absolutely so businesses need to understand and customers need to understand there's a cost associated with waste there's a cost associated with uh, waste in general but also with providing the the path of least resistance i should say you know terrible it, waste like it might be cheaper now but we'll be paying for it in the long run Exactly. So if once the, the restaurants understand and the customers can understand that, you know, it is maybe going to cost a little bit more, but we need to solve this problem, not only the problem of, of plastic, but the problem of waste in general. You know, we're sending 200 tons of plastic tableware to our landfill every single day. Wow. But the solution is not to switch that to, to 200 plus tons of cardboard or paper or bagasse. We need to eliminate some of this and this may take a little bit of time. Yeah, Gemma on Facebook says plastic gloves too. Yes, I've seen the plastic oh, well, gloves. Yeah. <laughs> Um, at, at restaurants for, for people dining, but also during the pandemic where people are worried about touching uh, surfaces of things. And um, yes. I've seen people sort of uh, with plastic gloves. So, so Dana, where do you stand with the whole, I mean, th the mission is really to reduce altogether. Where do you stand with bioplastics? So cutlery sort of made with bioplastic, ma made from cornstarch. Um, is is that okay? Because we, we often see people pushing that as as an alternative. But you're you're right. It's not really a reduction of any sort. You're still at the end of the day sending things to the landfill. Yes, exactly. So um, bioplastics are there are few issues there. You've got oxobiodegradable, which is not a solution at all, and it's, it should be banned 100%. That means it's traditional plastic, but it has chemicals to break it down more quickly. But it doesn't break down well more quickly. It just breaks down more quickly into lots of little pieces. So still microplastics. And then become microplastics. So the oxobiodegradable, terrible. Other biodegradable plastics, the benefit of them is that they're not fossil fuel based. So we are, we're ahead of the game there. But again, it's disposable. We're throwing it away. A big problem with some of the biodegradable is that it looks like traditional plastic and it contaminates our waste stream. So it, wow. uh, sorry, not our waste stream, our um, the, the, our recycling stream. So it looks just like PET, a, you know, a, a a plastic cup made from fossil fuels. It gets into the recycling stream and it contaminates it. So it's a problematic solution. A lot of, and the government is asking, do we want them to ban that as well? I as as it is right now, without any composting facilities to handle it properly, and without any. Um, and, and the, because of the fact that it, if, if it mixes in, it contaminates, I would say, yes, the best solution is to ban it. But I'd like to think more of the future, thinking before we ban it outright and the government never looks at it again, are there ways to solve the problems that are surrounding PLA? It's called PLA normally, the one. Mm -hmm. Can we solve the those problems? How do we make sure it doesn't get into the waste stream? How can we convince the government to open up their organic waste treatment facilities to these products so that we can handle them properly. So I'm a little bit 
I'm a little bit on the fence as of as things stand right now. I say ban it. But looking towards the future, can't we solve the problem? Because it is actually a potential solution mm. where we can actually handle it properly in composting facilities if we can collect it and uh, if we can make sure it doesn't contaminate. So I'm a, a bit on the on the fence there. I haven't figured it out. We'll have to invite you back on another time to, 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 to explain all these concepts to us. We learn so much from you every time you're on, Dana. Uh, you're such a wonderful gem. Thank you so much for joining us uh, from Plastic Free Seas. And we will put a link to the consultation on plastic tableware. And also we'll be following your campaigns on packaging at supermarkets and also your six-week social media campaign against the use of disposable cups of hot drinks uh, in coffee shops. Dana, meanwhile, remind our listeners once again, have you got a website and social media and, and Instagram? How can we follow your work? Yeah, it's all plasticfreeseas.org on the website and then Plastic Free Seas on Instagram, on Facebook, even on Twitter. So you can find us everywhere very easily. And please do reach out if you're interested to help, if you have some questions, want to have a chat. Uh, I love speaking to people about this. We're all part of the solution. Absolutely. And I know that you're looking for volunteers as well for your campaign. So people should definitely uh, check out your website and all the social medias and get in touch with Dana Winograd. Meanwhile, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Have a great summer. Thanks Bye. for having me. Bye.